Once again, what can I say, Janet Lee? The touch, the spirit of it, totally turns me on. God bless you and those dancing fingers on the keyboard. And hello, everybody out there listening today. Are you ever in for a big, deep swim in the glorious river of God? Well, today is Sunday, and this is February 28th, 2016, Mountain Time. And we are presenting today, we, the Jerry Lee body, but with the Spirit and in the Spirit of God, we are presenting Exodus Escape 18, Up with Angels, and opening up the Enchanted Fire, the Enchanted Holy Fire Revelation, Part 5. I'll read now the, the writ that was mailed out as a broadcast announcement. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Could the pillar cloud angels of the Exodus escape have taken up a whole army of Israelites with a transport vessel, a transport vessel called a zith, and then transported them in a state of suspended cognizance? The Artesian transport zith spacecrafts are miles long and miles wide in measurement. How would we get such an idea that anything that big could be made and transported through the air? Well, just by going to the book of Revelations for one thing, because very few people understand or have connected to the scripture that says that one day that from another place, from the heavens, and we know that that is the Father's house, that a new holy Jerusalem will descend from the heavens and come down and be placed on earth. And then the measurements of that are just absolutely incredulous. It's like a, a gigantic ship. So, we know the Bible talks about these kind of things. And they implement majestic orders and magnified orders. And they, the Bible talks about things that are seen and the Bible talks about things that are invisible. The Bible talks about large things and very small things. Things that are very small from which the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that things that are seen are made of things that do not appear. Now let us go on reading. Has such a transport ever happened before? Yes. In the teachings of Moses, Paul, and Jesus, there is parallel happenings or there are parallel happenings described in the Bible. This scripture information will be given, Lord willing, I'll get to it today, <laughs> during the Escape Broadcast 18. 
Well, what are, what are some of these things? Well, let's take Jesus first. <clears throat> Jesus said, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. This is in the book of Matthew. And further then goes on to explain how the happening will occur. And it tells about a meeting, a meeting in the air with the angels and people ascending and being taken away. We know that the Bible describes in the Gospels how that Jesus was parted from the disciples and that he was taken up, taken up into the heavens. So there is a lot. But the thing that Jesus said about as it was in the days of Noah was so beautiful and deep because it said that this rapture that this taking up this taking away of the meeting in the air also happened in the days of the flood in the time of Noah because as it was in the days of Noah so shall it be in the days of the coming of the son of man so now we see the du the duality the duplicity of event very clearly described by Jesus and we're talking a vast number of people. So that takes a vast number of space, the vast number of measurements of space. Now, we know that there were other persons of God. We're going to show you a, a vision thing that Paul received along that line. And we know that Moses... Uh, described in the 68th chapter of the book of um, Psalms, uh, had that ex that experience, and uh, and it was absolutely awesome uh, because um, in in the uh, in the book of of, of Psalms uh, it says this in chapter 68, verse 17. And the chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them as in Sinai in the holy place. Now that Sinai experience totally, definitely ties in with God. And the message that of the whole, all those events were of the nature that they needed to be explicit. So they needed to be published. So in Psalm 68, 11, it says, And the Lord gave the word, and great was the company of those that published it. Well, there are, are scholars who do believe that that word company in its root really means angels were involved in this. And we know that in the book of Revelations, it talks about the angels flying through the heavens and preaching the everlasting gospel. And so there is much that has to do about these things that have to do with the, the flying of the eagles. The Merkabah 
is described in both Psalms here and in Ezekiel, which represents the pilot hold of the throne room of the rider of the skies, which is referring to this chief craft that the Lord drives in as, and, and stands in this throne room of the pilot hold, and that is described as the Merkabah, M-E-R-K-A-B-A. And so the Zith writers called Merkabah are described in Ezekiel chapter 1 and 10. And there's something beautiful about the Word of God when it is opened up and when it is revealed because it is just full of light and full of love. Blessed be the name of God. We see also in 2 Kings 20 and 23 where it talks about a multitude of chariots over the mountains. Chariots don't normally go over the mountains. But as you can see in the book of Psalm 68, 17, those chariots were hovering over Mount Sinai. And there was thousands of them. So, we want to move on. But there are so many beautiful things. So many. Well, we know that just about the time that Moses had finished his ministry and God spoke to him in Deuteronomy 32 and he said, Get thee up unto the mountain Abiram, Mount Nebo, Nebo, N-E-B-O, which is in the land of Moab, over against Jericho. And behold the land of Canaan, which I gave unto the children of Israel for a possession. And die in the mount, whether thou goest. Now, I don't think that people really understand the word die there. I don't think that the scholars really understood it. Because there was something totally different about that kind of dying. And he goes on, and this is in chapter 32 of Deuteronomy, verse 48 through 50. And die in the mountain. Wouldn't that be something to say, okay, now go over to a certain town and, and climb a mountain or go to the river and stand at it and die there. Wouldn't that be interesting and difficult to understand? Some God told you to go to some place and die there unless you understood that die to be something quite different. And then he says, die in the mount, whether thou goest and be gathered unto thy people. So this dying is something different, something absolutely different than anyone has ever been able to imagine. And it says, be gathered unto his people. But the fact of the matter was, that according to the Bible, verse 30, uh, chapter 34, Moses went up to the mountain and the Lord showed him Gilead and Dan and all of 
Naphtali and Ephraim and Manasseh and the land of Judah and to the utmost sea and the south and the plain and the valley of Jericho and the city of the palm trees of, of, of Zorad. And the Lord said, yeah, this is the land that I swear to Abraham. And then in the fifth verse of the 34th chapter, it says, So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of God. Now, this way he died wasn't just any old kind of dying. It was according to the word of God. So this dying has a, a specificity or is specific to a degree of a special kind of understanding. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab over against Beth Peor, but no man knoweth of his sepulcher unto this day. Well, see, that's in total conflict because what it says, be gathered unto the people, generally that means that they have a big funeral and you're gathering into them and they have a time, a special time set aside of, of weeping and mourning and, and, and uh, doing prayers unto God. That never happened. So something very, very different happened, especially as it begins to describe immediately after saying that. And Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. Well, if his natural force wasn't abated, which included his heart and all of his organs and, and, and the function of his body, then he wasn't really in a, a dying state as we think of death. So this whole idea of burying goes back to this thing of the, the swoo, which people could not understand. And, and where that, the event of that happened was he was put in a swoo in a zith right at that particular location where it says they buried him, but they were talking, the word there, if, if you understand it in swoo language, actually means that he was put in this state of preservation, which is called the swoo. And then he was carried on to, to the land to be gathered to his people, and that's why Moses then came back on the Mount of Transfiguration and showed up uh, with uh, the other disciples, three of the three disciples and Jesus. Now, someone said, oh, that's far out. Oh, that's not really far out. And, and Satan did not want them to be able to take his body. And, they, and he, he argued and debated uh, with, the, with, the, with the archangel. But he lost, and they took him. Now, you don't have to believe that. You can just believe it if you want to, if you feel that's interesting. But if you can't believe this, you may have problems with a lot of the other things I'm getting ready to say because they are far out. And so it's this thing far out in Psalm 68 that talks about thousands of chariots of angels that hovered over the mount. Because when I tell you what, that, what, what really happened there, which I'm going to today, Lord willing, you are going to find it one of the most amazing revelations of all times. Thousands and thousands of chariots, 20,000 plus angels, all were there on Sinai. This is a Moses thing. The Moses Passover, the Moses escape, Egypt escape 
has affected the book of Psalms. Some of the most important things throughout all the book of Psalms that David wrote about and sung about had to do with the Moses escape. Let's go on reading. Now we see the Moses thing connection and the Jesus connection. In a little bit, I'll show you the Paul connection to this transport thing. In Isaiah 40, 3 through 8, it is written, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now, that is so deep and so beautiful. That is so absolutely beautiful. I think I should actually take and turn there and read some of that. Isaiah 40. Because we're going to see how easy it is to miss truth. Chapter 40. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. This is a time of Holy Ghost. This is a time of the Holy Ghost in fire. The Bible says, I will send you the comforter. So the, the way to comfort the people is to reveal to them the, an understanding of the comforter. And you can't really under, uh, reveal the understanding of the comforter unless you understand the comforter is the Holy Ghost but he's also the Senadaki, as I like to say it. And all of the things that are not directly shown in the Scripture, but are indirectly shown in the Scripture, and that you will not know them, and by not knowing them, you cannot put together the puzzle of the picture. You cannot take that part that it does say, like where it says, the Holy Ghost and fire. And then if you just stop right there, and you don't put the Sinodaki with it, which are the other pieces that belong to it, then you cannot know the meaning of it. And by not knowing the meaning of it, you cannot really understand what the word, the, the, the Holy Ghost being the comforter is. So comfort ye, comfort ye my people. Now verse 3. And the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's actually the Tetragrammaton, the four letters, that no one really knows what that means, but they, they, they interpret it as Lord. But they don't really know what that, those words mean, that Tetragrammaton, because they've lost some of the meanings of the original Hebrew. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Now, the way of the Lord is not no minor subject. We know, and we're going to get into it in a little bit, when Adam and Eve were taken out of the Garden of Eve, and Eve the Garden of Eden, that the Bible tells us there was two cherubims left there. And there was a sword. And that sword was turning every which way. And we're going to get into that in a little bit because it's quite a beautiful subject. And 
the reason that sword was turning every which way was to to keep the way to the tree of life. And we're going to tell you in a, a in a way that I've never told it before about what the tree of life really was. Okay. Now, it says, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Well, where did the Moses lead the over 600,000 uh, troop army? He led them into the desert and into the wilderness. So these terms are absolutely perfect to describe that. But now making straight, make straight in the desert a way for our God, like trying to take a, a, a highway and make it straight, that would mean you wouldn't go around any curves, you wouldn't go over, around any mountains, you wouldn't go around uh, uh, elongated to be able to cross over any rivers. Not if you were making the path on the earth and in the desert. And it's pretty difficult to make a path in the desert because a desert that's full of sand is, is subject to wind all the time. And the, the wind uh, just blows whichever way it wants to. And, and keeping any kind of a straight path, if you're talking an actual, literal, physical path, would be very difficult. And then it goes on, and it says... Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Making a highway now. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. So this sounds like a huge crew would be needed to go out there with heavy equipment which didn't exist in that day as far as the Egyptians and children of Israel were aware because it was beyond their time, and you would need to mow down the, 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 some of the mountains in order to make this straight path. You need to cut them down. Now, how is that going to happen? And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it, this thing is not just some piece of fiction. This is something revealed by the mouth of God. And it's something that flesh can understand, but you have to, they have to be comforted. It. They, they have to be comforted. They have to receive this through the Holy Ghost. And the comforter is the Holy Ghost and fire. And that's how you have to receive it. And the voice said, cry. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and the goodliness thereof as the flower of the field. The grass withereth and bloweth and uh, the flower, flower fadeth because the spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. Now, the only way that this highway could have been made to do the things with the mountains and the hills as it describes to make the, the path straight was a highway in the sky. It had to be a highway in the sky that would have allowed 
the fulfillment of this scripture because there was not in that terrain a possibility to make a straight highway with all of the hills and the landscape the way it, the way it, it was and still is the only other way to make to make a straight path was as the bird flies and the bible says they that wait kawa they that wait upon the lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings as eagles i'm inviting you to fly 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 yes it is exciting yes it is motivating and yes there is and can be some suspenseful parts. But just keep hanging in there as we begin to see how proper that is in the 68th chapter of Psalms that I read to you where all of these, these angelic persons were in these, these ziths these chariots, and they were hovering over the mountaintop. The path, the highway in the sky is described in the 68th chapter of Psalms. Now, the Bible is plush with verses born out of the Moses Exodus escape revelations. Plush about the revelations of persons being air lifted into space. The Bible's plethora of exotic tales about airlifts, written at a time when flights by human pilots did not exist, were rarely imagined, but digs deep into the hundredfold realm of knowledge. Scarlet leaved plants are blooming, a a sovereign thread of nano size, so tough a thousand elephants could stand on it, rises to form a lattice reveal that will shake all the minds that doubt. Now, keep in mind the, my use of the word lattice. And I've explained and preached on that different times. It has a lot of meaning. The word lattice can also mean net. And Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a net. We'll get into that also if we have time on some very interesting connections to all of this. Okay. So, rising to form a lattice reveal that will shake all the minds that doubt. There is a river, and a river is a spirit called God, who is, who is love flowing into open hearts and yearning minds to change them from the mortal creature character to angels of enchanted holy fire. Now, I know in the past when I've used the word enchanted, I've had people indicate, well, that, you know, words like that aren't in the Bible. Uh, enchanted, that, you know, like the enchanted forest, and that, that belongs to Disneyland stuff and, and witches and, and, uh, and uh, wizards and all that. That's not in the Bible. Well, you see, you have a lot of people that don't know what they're talking about. Uh, 
And you have far more people out there that don't know what they're talking about than people that do know what they're talking about. I will show you the scripture for this whole title, entitlement, before I'm through here today, Lord willing. Remember, before Jesus came to save the world, he was preceded by many false saviors. The same is true with this revelation. There have preceded many luring tales of falsehood. So, gird up your loins of the mind and get ready to fly with me. Blessed be the name of God. All right. Now, Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be filled. So you see that this thing of God is a plan. And this plan is for God's people to be filled, which means to become satisfied. Now, the scriptures, like in Exodus 14, 19, talk about the angels of God and talk about that God provided for the people of God a, a sign that was awesome. And this sign hovered above them day and night. And it appeared in the daytime to be a pillar of light. And in the evening dark time, it appeared to be a pillar of fire. Now, most people would probably think that those two things were absolutely different. But I think that both the pillar of light and the pillar of fire were the same thing. But depending on the circumstances and depending on the time scenario, uh, they had a difference of appearance. So we have Exodus 14... 19 through 20, uh, and Exodus 4, 6 through 37. Out of heaven he made them to hear his voice, that he might instruct them, and upon earth he showed, he showed them his great fire. This is a revelation right out of heaven. If you're stuck on revelations that are involved with just on earth, then you're going to miss some really powerful revelations. Now, stand by just a minute. I'm going to have to take off my top shirt because I'm just too hot. All right. Now, um, we've got all of this and is so very interesting. Uh, Deuteronomy 4, 36 through 37. Um, and I think I might have said Exodus, but I'm, uh, for that last, the first one was in Exodus. Exodus 14, 19 through 20. And then this, the next one was Deuteronomy 4, 36 through 37. Okay, sorry. And um, this whole thing is about... Uh, as described in Deuteronomy 4.47, to witness and, and uh, to, to show that they were given possession toward the sun rising. 
I found that so beautiful. And and that's Deuteronomy 47 through 48. Uh, even unto Mount Zion, which is Mount Hermon. Now, here's a very important scripture, and the main scripture I wanted to get to when I read this, or gave the, the quote, this quote. Um, in Deuteronomy 4, 32 through 37, it says, Ask now of the days that are past. Where were before thee since the day that God created man upon the earth? Ask from one side of heaven unto the other whether there has been such a thing as this before. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is a very important scripture. Deuteronomy 4, 32 through 37. It, re it requires, it, it, it directs us to ask of God of the days that are past. It's saying, I want you to, to inquire about history. I want you to inquire about time that is past. Where were, uh, which were before, uh, before you, before you even existed. And, and, and go back since the day that God created man upon the earth. I want you to go back in time. God wants us to go back to Genesis. This is the word of God telling us to do that. He wants us to know these things about Genesis. He wants us to know these things about Exodus, Deuteronomy, Numbers. God wants us to know these things. And he wants us to ask from one side of the heaven and to the other whether there has ever been such a thing as this before. Because otherwise, how did Moses know the story of Adam and Eve? How did he know about the garden of, of, of Eden and about the angels? Well, that story is being kept alive in what is called the book of the generations of Adam. There's someone in your past, man or angel life connection, that mark you to those generations. Check out Galatians 6, 17, Ezekiel 9, 46, and Genesis 4, 5. God talks about the possibility of prolonging our days and that if he had left the, the tree of life so it would be available that they might eat of it before they were ready and live forever. Now we're talking about a physical life here as well as the spiritual virtue. And I would like to suggest that this book of the generations of Adams, of Adam connects, that connects to the tree of life. And that's found in the, the fifth chapter, I think it is, of, um, of Genesis. And I want to suggest that the tree of life, at least one major aspect of it, belongs to the tree of genealogy. And that this book of the generations of Adam and, and all of those people whose names are to be found written in the, the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb is a physical creature, creature that all of those things are the connection to the way of the tree of life and the genealogy of the tree of life being those who end up 
with their names written in that book. Janet Lee at the organ.
Thank you, thank you, Janet Lee. Wow, that spirit wind is blowing. I'll tell you, thank you, I appreciate it. Okay, so in Deuteronomy, so many beautiful written passages. Chapter 4, verse 12. And the Lord spake to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the voice of the words, but saw no similitude, only you heard a voice. And he declared unto you his covenant. <clears throat> now, in verse 24 of the same chapter, For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. And then again, we're still in verse uh, 4, uh, chapter 4, but higher verses. Verse 36. First, let's stay verse 35. Unto thee it was showed, it was shown, that thou mightest know that the Lord, he is God, and there is none else beside him. Out of heaven he made you to hear his voice, that he might instruct you upon the earth and show you his great fire. <clears throat> 
Now, God has a plan. And it's very much about showing to the people his fire. And if you have not been shown the Holy Ghost and fire, then you don't have the whole story by a long shot. Because the whole plan of the Passover escape, the Exodus escape, is about the reveal of the, the holy fire. And that's why we call it enchanted holy fire. As you will see, it has scripture relevance. And God wants this to be known, and, and he has spoken from heaven. Why does he speak from heaven to do this? Why didn't he just speak from earth? He did, of course, use Moses on earth to speak. But before there would really be any diligence of something that was beyond the mortal, he had to reveal an angel angelic revelation. And that had to come from the heavenly sources of the word. And that's why we must oftentimes refer to the revelation of heavenly things, which are far out uh, as compared to uh, from corner to corner and from city to city and road to road, house to house. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> when God was dealing with, um, with Saul, that was the name of Paul before he became converted. One time as he was on the road to, toward Damascus to go and to imprison some Christians, <clears throat> Jesus uh, spoke from the sky and he said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And Saul turned and said, Who art thou, Lord? And the voice answered, I am Jesus, whom thou persecuteth. Now it's interesting that Jesus by this time had already been crucified and of course resurrected, but Saul didn't understand that at that time. And he was going to Damascus to, to imprison some Christians. But Jesus so connected with those persons, <clears throat> so connected with those persons, he said, why do you persecute me? Persecute me? He took those Christians being persecuted and ready to be imprisoned by Paul uh, to be um, uh, in his personification. And that's quite beautiful. And that, that is in Acts 9 and 5 and Acts 26 and 14. And um, then he goes on to say, uh, is it hard for thee to kick against the stone? Or in other translations, they use the word pricks, to kick against the pricks. Well, the word kintron in the Greek means to prick, which means a, to a point. It can be also mean a thorn. Uh, but interestingly, in uh, the Greek uh, dictionary, Strong's Concordance, G2759, it can also mean divine impulse. And, and because Paul was a very religious man, he believed in God. 
And he was basically saying, is it difficult for you to go against the divine impulse? Paul, Saul, who was later to become Paul, was going against the divine impulse. And there are lots and lots of people today who think that they're doing something divinely correct in their believing and in their faith, but they know down deep within themselves that there is something more and something else, but they're just fending it off, and therefore they're kicking against the pricks. They're going against the divine impulse. In Psalms 91, 11 through 12, it says, For he shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee in all ways. We have to understand, if you want to really get into Jesus Christ, you want to really get into the Savior, you really want to get into all the things that he taught on earth in the Gospels, that he promised in those Gospels, then you have to understand that it is the destiny of God and the destiny of the plan of salvation that he has given his angels charge over his salvation, over his ministry, over his word in all ways. And then it goes on, it says, and they shall bear thee up. The angels shall bear up the ministry. So we see that when Jesus, when the scripture sometimes talks about the personification person, Jesus himself that Jesus is personified also as he represents manifoldly and collectively the, the people that are following him and believing in him. So it says, They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone, which can also mean against the pricks. So the whole plan in all thy ways, to keep thee in all thy ways also includes to keep the way to the tree of life, which it tells about in the book of Genesis. We'll get to that, Lord willing. And the Bible in the same chapter of Psalms 91 and verse 16 shows that the, the subject of that, that was incorporated and included, also included with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. So, you know, Jesus entered the ministry roughly at uh, 30 years old, although at 12 years old he did have a little experience in the temple. But when he really, the Bible talks about the beginning of his miracles. He was 30 years old, and by the time he was 33 uh, years old, uh, he was headed toward the, the, the crucifixion and, and the tomb. So most people would not consider that a long life. So the long life, of course, included the fact that Jesus did not really die, except at that moment his body, when he gave up the ghost, uh, ceased uh, what was a true heartbeat existence. But he actually uh, then, after those few moments, uh, Revitalize the body so that it could come out of the the tomb, out of the out of the grave, and be part of the resurrection. And that was just a, a really beautiful thing. 
Okay, now, therefore, we get into this thing that is very clear about the fire. It's something spoken from heaven. It's something revealed by Jesus Christ. It's something revealed by by uh, John the Baptist, uh, who was uh, uh, Elijah, Jesus said, and uh, and it's very important. Now, what do we think about when we think about this uh, thing about uh, the uh, you know the the fire and 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 the flames and all of that? Okay, let's just look at that. Uh, uh, the Bible talks about the burning bush. And um, uh, people think that this burning bush really means bush. Well, that word bush that they put in there uh, was just a guess. Uh, they, they were trying to find uh, the lost root, and they just weren't sure exactly what that was, and they put that in there. But, but uh, I have shown in past teachings that this bush actually represented a zith, uh, one of the chariots uh, of God that landed and and that uh, the, the Lord uh, came out of that Zith and was speaking to him uh, and revealing to him an incredible thing. And so that this was the beginning of the revelation of a person-to-person -person, uh, experience of Moses with the angels and, and, and with the Lord and with the Ziths and all that. And that's why uh, it, it is so filled in the Word with the revelation about those things, as we will see. Now, Paul, in Hebrews twelve twenty nine, he repeats what it said in Deuteronomy. God is a consuming fire. We need to know what that means, because it was written also in Deuteronomy 4, 4 24, and we're going to talk about that, because that is very, very important. Well, that gets us, when you get into the fire, you get into the flames of the fire. And when you get into the flames of the fire, you get into all kinds of things, like in Genesis 15, uh, 7, which correlates uh, with Hebrews 1, 7, uh, his ministers, a flame of fire. Now, to be a flame of fire has something to do with being a minister, a minister of God. Now, these ministries are, are, are elite ministries. There's particular ministries. And the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 3.15 about being saved by fire. And there are so many interesting verses. Genesis 15.17, Job 41.19, Psalms 97.3, and then there's Isaiah 9. 18, and which it says, wickedness burneth as a fire. Now, as we begin to come into the real revelation of the fire, <clears throat> we will discover that this fire, the Holy Ghost and fire, is love. It's not the kind of love that people on earth know it in the human vernacular. It's a totally different kind of, of energy, a pure kind of energy. The purest of the energy can only abide in the first domain. But in the virtual form, which is the ghost form, and the Holy Ghost is the ghost form of the God of the first domain, in the virtual appearance and virtual reality, 
And that virtual reality does have substance, like it says in the Hebrew uh, uh, text. You know, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So now you have something that's not seen, that's invisible, but this faith thing uh, creates a, a substance, a virtual reality type of substance. And so then we see that there are two parts to this. There is the flame that belongs to wickedness, and then there is the flame that belongs to righteousness. And that all makes sense because in, in, in the universe, everything practically seems to have a duality. In the atomic world, you've, you've got the, 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 uh, the electron, the positron, you've got the, the, the positive and the negative. You've got the charge and the anti-type of charge, the opposite charge. And so we see then when it says the wickedness burns as fire, that there is the opposite of love, which is the energy called hate. And there is love, which is pure love, which is an energy that is righteous love. So in Isaiah 24, 5, it says, glorify you, the Lord, in the fires. So this fire is certainly not something that is talking about physical fire. It's certainly not talking about that, you know, you can burn the wood in the fireplace or a house can burn down or, or the forest is on fire. It's not physical fire, but that, those, that fire is symbolic. But it's, it's not even representing the virtual fire that is this, the, these kind of energies. Now, what would you think if I told you when in Revelations 21.8 it says, the, the lake which burneth with fire, and that that is where hell is cast into, and all the people that are the bad people are cast into this lake of fire. What would you think if I told you that that particular situation of burning in fire cannot be a physical fire? Because it is a spirit world state. And spirits cannot burn by physical fire. Now, there can be a mind state where a person sort of burns in their mind. But that goes along with something also very prevalent. Have you ever heard the statement? And I know they say it meaning a certain different kind of meaning. But sometimes people say things like that and there's a truth to it. You ever heard about being loved to death? Well, hell is a state of being loved to death. And that is the kind of fire that it is. It's a love to death fire. Now, that is far out, but it's the truth, and I'll show it to you in the Bible. The fact of the matter is, is that the Bible says no man has ever seen God. And the Bible makes it clear that any, any person that really is subjected to the full pure energy of God would die because their body would not be able to tolerate that pure energy. And that pure energy would be so strong, it would just begin to destroy. It would, of course, eradicate the physical life. And then it would begin to, to uh, depreciating uh, the charges of the spirit life. 
And so when we look at things like that, it just seems like that's impossible. It just seems like that could not be the case. But let me, uh, let me read you a few things here that will just astound you about, about this whole thing. Okay, now let's look at the word, let's go to the, this word flame, F-L-A-M-E, and uh, let's, let's just really look at what the, some of the sayings are. First off, in Isaiah 10, 17, it talks about, and his holy one for a flame. So it calls the holy one a flame, okay? And, and, and it gives a reference. Then it talks about uh, being in Luke 16, 24, um, it talks about being tormented in this flame. And it uses the reference in the Greek of 5395. But then in Acts 730, when it talks about a, uh, uh, in a flame of fire in the bush and the experience of Moses, it gives the same exact term in the Greek. So the same term in the Greek that has to do with being tormented in the flame is the same as the kind of flame that was burning in the bush that Moses saw. And when in Revelations uh, uh, 2.18, it talks about the Christ spirit, his eyes likened to a flame of fire, it also gives the same reference number. So then in Hebrews 1.7, when it says in his ministers a flame of fire, it also gives the same number. So in Luke 16.24, the person tormented in the, in the flame is the same as the flame that is the flame of fire of the ministries and the flame of the, of the fire of the eyes of, of, of God. <clears throat> and it tells us in Joel 2.5 that there's a, a noise that the, a flame of fire has. It means Noise means things that you do not understand. People don't know how to interpret what noise means, but it can be interpreted. And that's what's happening here today. The noise that this flame has been is being interpreted. Now, if I take you over to the scriptures on, on fire, there are also some very other incredibly uh, interesting verses that are just astounding. And, and uh, they, they, they are just... They, they will freak you out. So let's look at them. Okay, Matthew eighteen eight, feet to be cast into everlasting fire. Four 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 two is the reference for that in the Greek. Uh, Matthew twenty five forty one, the into everlasting fire. Four 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 two. The fire that shall never be quenched. Four, 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 two. Now, we will find out 
that those same terms, God is a consuming fire, is also 4442. We will find out when it talks about in Revelations 2.18, his eyes likened to a flame of fire. That is also the reference 4442. When it talks about to buy of me gold tried in the, in the fire, that is also 4442. Now, that's just a few of them. So what is it saying? What it's saying is that this hell that they're cast into, and, and the Catholics had it, had it the closest to being right when they called it purgatory, which was connected to purgation, which was connected to purging, because all through the scripture, it talks about that the spirits have to be purged, and there has to be a purging. And so the spirits go into this place called hell, which is a fiery uh, furnace, but little do people realize that what that is, is that flame is the flame of the righteous love of God. And that righteous love of God is an absolutely tormenting condition to people who have in them a balance of more hate, of energy of hate than they have of the energy of love. So to them, they cannot tolerate that love of God. So, so they have to stay in this hell and in this purgatory, in this purging, until eventually all of that hatred, which is the opposite of, of, of the love, is burned out of them. And until they are able to tolerate the love of God before they will ever get out of hell. And so the length of that time of it, uh, that it will take is what's called a forever. And it takes two forevers to equal one eternity. So it is a long, long time. But then once you get into the spirit world, time is quite a different thing. Now, that I have never heard preached anywhere. And that does not surprise me because that is a pure revelation from above, not on earth. Not made on earth, not made in a seminary, not made in a theological uh, group. I'm not knocking any of them. Not, not made in a church, but made from above. An angelic revelation. His ministers, a flame of fire. For God so loved the world, John 3:16, that he gave his only begotten Son. That whosoever, that whosoever. And we see that that love was to redeem people and to save people. That doesn't mean it would be a simple thing to do because people have to, to receive that love. And in receiving it, they have to, to turn toward uh, uh, ener being energized with that, with that love. And that's not simple Simon. But it, it can and is possible through the all things are possible God. So wickedness burneth as a fire, and it's, it's opposite, it's hate. And there's a lot of hate out there. I, I, I am amazed, even as I occasionally watch the, the um, conventions uh, for, the, for the nomination of a candidate for president, 
and how that there is such animosity and hate. <coughs> and I want to call it hate because I think I've clearly seen, uh, and not necessarily just from the candidates, but from people that belong to the uh, deep political aspect of, of some of the parties that that have just expressed a hate and, 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 and control. So there is a lot of hate out there. And the lake which burneth with fire, that is all about anti-love. But this love is everywhere because the Bible says you cannot go anywhere in the universe, nor can you even go to hell and God is not there. And how is God there? His love is there. But as his love is there, it is a torment to those people because they do not have the vestiges in place and the correlations in place to be able to, to eat that manna of love and to digest that manna of love. And so Isaiah explains it in Isaiah 4 and through 6. And it talks about by the spirit of burning. And two things happen. It has the spirit of judgment. And it, it has the spirit of consuming, which is the same thing as the spirit of love. And so when you start getting into really looking at the meaning of these things and, and, and the depth of them, uh, the, the, the spirit of burning uh, can mean uh, Hebrew 1197 in the concordance to consume, but it can also mean the opposite, the spirit of judgment. So the consuming thing we know is God, and we know God is everywhere. And as we begin to, to look into this, and we begin to look up, okay, well, what does this mean to, you know, uh, all these things like, the 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 bush that burned with fire uh, described uh, you know in in the book of Exodus uh, what what all does that mean and and how how does that connect and how is it that uh, like the word burned b u r n e d the 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 bush burned well what that word means and you find it in Hebrew uh, concordance eleven ninety seven it means to be. Because the only way you can have eternal life, which is to be, and eternal life in the righteous side, set in the righteous side, is to go through the burnings. For years and years, I've preached about the burnings. I never described it because people weren't ready to hear it. And, and I, this is the first time I've really gone into the fullness of beginning to explain this thing. So when the Bible talks about the mountain burned with fire, in Deuteronomy 4.11 and, and Deuteronomy 9.15, it is the same reference, H1197, consumed and to be. And when the, the Bible says that on Mount Sinai, that the mountain burned with fire, it wasn't talking a, a literal fire. 
it wasn't talking that that uh, there was a volcano that took place and and Moses uh, would be like an idiot trying to st- stay up there someplace among all the smoke and the debris of the volcano and the fire that was spitting out everywhere and people were afraid to come close to the mountain because of of, of it that they might get hit with a piece of volcanic rock uh, and he's standing up there trying to show off and show that God's protecting them somehow uh, Joshua was with them uh, you know, they just make the Bible incredibly to be stupid and dumb because of how they translate it. But that fire of that mountain was involved with the over 20,000 ziths that came down, which is the same kind of fire that it describes as being the burning bush, which was a zith. And, 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 uh, and it, was, it was an angelic ministry. And that was the fire that was going on. And that was the fire that, he, that Moses would go up into that fire of the energy love of God that those angels had and that those angels were bringing to earth and sharing. And, and the people could not stand that fire. They couldn't handle it because it was, it, they needed to be purged. And, and we see in the end that the majority of those people were rejected because they were rebellious. They did not have in them the love of God. And it is so beautiful as we begin to see the mountain that burned with fire was a mountain that was burning with, with the chariots of God and the love of the angels and the love of the energy of God that was permeating that location. And that's why where the Zith came down, it was called Holy Ground. And you can be sure because they wouldn't even allow people to touch the mountain because it was also Holy Ground. And it was holy ground because there was a vestige opening up that had to do about, about virtual reality of, of, of the Holy Ghost pure love. It couldn't be the pure love that dwelled in the first domain uh, because it never leaves the first domain and the universe would explode if it came into it. It would be anti-universe. But, but it, can, it can handle it in the Holy Ghost virtual reality. And it can be like, you know, when Paul said, and I quoted to you already in Hebrews, where he said, you know, faith, you know, reveals to us things that are not seen and shows us that things that are made that we do see are made out of those things. People have not understood how beautiful that is about the love of God and about this pure energy of God that that is an energy that can create things, can make things. And that at the same time, it is an energy that makes the, the spirit uh, of, uh, body uh, to be uh, what it is and make, gives it its composition uh, and is so different from anything that people have ever thought or ever imagined or ever, ever began, to, began to know. And, and so it talks about in all these scriptures these beautiful, awesome things, and I want to, I want to, uh, uh, you know, amaze you by giving you a scripture here. When we talk in the book of um, <clears throat> of Genesis, three twenty four about a flaming sword which turned every which way. There was only one sword, and yet the Bible says in that same chapter, as it follows through that there were two cherubims that were involved in the, in, in the using of it. But then we know 
that in Psalms 29, 7, it gives a prophecy and it says, the voice of the Lord divideth the flames. So the this flaming sword was divided and, and two cherubims stood there turning the sword every which way. That means every which way that was good and every which way that was evil because there were two cherubims. One cherubim was from the co-owned angel of Lucifer and the other cherubim was a not fallen cherubim who was under uh, the power of Gabriel. And those two angels were, were uh, warring there, just like the angels that warred over the body of Moses were warring there to, to uh, make the claim on the way to the tree of life, to protect the knowledge of the way of the tree of life. And when we start getting into these words about the flamings and all of that, you know, and we begin to, to, to see these, these things about Psalms 104.4, his ministers of flaming fire. Also, that is mentioned in the book of, in the New Testament. And then we start looking at, at the meaning of those words, like the, the flame of fire uh, that we found in Genesis 3.24. The, the, num the uh, number of, of the Hebrew for that is 3858. So, we say H3858, and then what do we read? When we go to H3858 under the word flaming, it says that it means enchantment. Enchantment. So when I am talking about taking you to this revelation about the enchantment of the holy fire, and I read to you Isaiah 1017, his holy one for a flame, I now have perfect Bible basis for the Holy One being a fire and for the flame being an, an enchantment right from the meaning of those very words in their original text. And so we know that there are beautiful things. And we know that in this war of the flaming's of the flamings and the burnings of the angel of Gabriel and the co-owned fallen angel of Lucifer, of which it says in the 12th chapter of Revelations that then the dragon and his angels were cast to the earth, that the angels of the dragon of the Lucifer Satan are all a part of that flaming fire, but they are dealing from a different kind of an order of the flame. And so we have watchers. Now, the Bible only talks about the good watchers, but there are places in the Bible, like in Jude, that you could take and you could <clears throat> take the angels <clears throat> that were in the chains and show them as the bad watchers. And so that you would have both good watchers and bad watchers. The good watchers belonging to the cherubims and, and also the uh, Artursians, uh, Ophanims, and the bad ones belonging to the angels that fell with Lucifer. And now we begin to see that, as I've just barely have touched on this me message, have barely have got into it, not even beginning to, to give all the scriptures, 
And as Jan is playing the organ, I want to give one other scripture that is quite beautiful. When I talk about entanglement, and I use that, which is a scientific word, I know there might be some people out there saying, oh, Jerry Lee, he just, he just uses science to, instead of the Bible. But no, you are wrong. When I use these things, I have Bible for it. If you, uh, if you, if you go into some of the, the Hebrew meanings, like in the Hebrew Strong's Concordance 2762, it talks about the lattice. And that word lattice comes from Hebrew 2760. And Hebrew 2760 means a net. And it means to entangle, to braid, which is the, which is the meaning of entanglement in a, in a part. And then that also is connected, as you will see right there in the concordance, to H2762, the word lattice. So these teachings that I'm giving you folks about entanglement and the lattice and latolution, they're Bible. They're deep Bible. They're Bible that comes from the Word of God from heaven. That comes from things that do not belong on this earth. A knowledge that is higher than mortals. God bless you. I've run out of time. Janet Lee at the Oregon. <laughs>